My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to episode 45 of the Trail Running Ireland podcast. In this week's show, we have a Wicklow Way relay special with its former race director, current assistant race director, and multiple time participant, who is also, of course, our coaching expert on the show, Rene Borg from Running Coach Ireland. And Rene has lots of tips and insights into one of the highlights of the racing year. And in the second part of the show today, it's a section I've been looking forward to doing for a long time, as we look about how to get involved in mountain running from an early age, and the great opportunities that are there for teenagers with Imra. And to do that, we've got the Imra Junior Affairs Officer, Miriam Maher. Everybody, let's get our running gear on. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Hope you're all in good form and looking forward to some good racing and training over the Easter period. And before we call in Rene and Miriam, a big thank you to Marie Boland, Peter Greer and Paul Birchmore, who went to the trouble to go to Patreon since our last podcast, made a small Patreon contribution of three euros a month, the equivalent of just the price of a gel to help keep us going every month over the course of the whole year. Thanks a million guys. And if you've liked what you've heard in our previous episode, Episodes or are new to the podcast, please do to take a moment to pop over to Patreon and we in turn will do our best to promote the sport of trail and mountain running in Ireland like we are doing today hopefully with a really good preview of the Wicklow Way Relay on its way. There's been lots of racing of course since our last podcast too and congratulations to Dylan McAvoy and Sarah Brady who took the wins in the Morris Mullen Ultra. Rory Long and Becky Quinn took the wins in Purple Mountain and in Tinahili, Rory's teammate in training partner Matthew McConnell had a big win and I just wonder if Rory and Matthew strategically avoided each other that particular Sunday and um, Caroline Harney took the win in the ladies race and fourth overall that day was our own Rene Borg who will call in now for our special feature on the Wicklow Way Relay. Rene, Rene Borg from Running Coach Ireland. Rene, it's great to have you with us this week. And this one, it's a special one, I think, because we're going to take a deep dive into a race that you know extremely well. You are race director of it for a number of years, and you're the current deputy race director. We're, we're talking, of course, about the, the Wicklow Way, 104 kilometers. And Rene, just to kick things off, um, I, I might take a quote from my, my clubmate, David Power, who who described this race as the Grand National of Irish Hill Running. And then just in the same year, Andrew Haney um, from Imre also did a, a race report on it. And he described it as a race like no other, not just a race, but I would rate it as the best team event I've ever taken part in. Now, isn't that some way to introduce the Wicklow Way? Yes, it is, Owen. I think we could nearly stop it here. <laughs> you know, that, that, that encapsulates the Wicklow Way relay for me as well. Uh, you know, it's the, the passion that is in those comments. You Once you have done it the first time, you will know what they're talking about. Uh, because no one really believes it until they've done it. Because I think relays are... Uh, uh, you know, if you come into the individual sport of running, you might not have a very clear idea of 
what it is like to be part of a relay event because maybe you have only seen relays on the track you know which is such a totally different experience because it's all about these lightning quick um handovers that are done by these super fit sprinting machines and some people who are a little bit more uh, seasoned in the running community they're probably aware of the road relays you know up in Rahini and yeah. you'll probably run that many times yourself yeah and they're a brilliant day they, they really are and and I think the great thing about the Wicklow Way is that IMRA do give us the chance to prepare for the Wicklow Way with a couple of pre-smaller relay races to get us ready for it so I think we're entering into relay season now aren't we yeah, that's right. It's actually next. Um, it's this Wednesday coming up. Uh, they start what's it? It's a charity fundraiser called Kalini Hill Relay. So it's a two and a half kilometer loop on Kalini Hill. You probably know that on. It's a really kind of neat little hill. It's actually a very tough two and a half K and you're running it very fast. And what's unique about that is, as you say, it's very uh, short loop. So it's good training, but you're paired up randomly for that. So it's very unlike the Wicklow Relay. There's no planning or anything. You just rock up and you get a partner. And and then you see who wins. So there's a, a little bit of randomness there. Um, and then on the other side, uh, the, or coming after that, we've got the Glacier Lakes Relay, which is much more of what you'd call a traditional mountain or fell relay. So there's, there's no marking. The vast majority of the legs that are involved are over, you know, rough terrain and open mountain. Um, and late in the year, you have a similar event called the Stone Cross to Luke Relay. You know, and it, it's pretty much the same thing. And there's a new relay proposed as well. I can't off the top of my head remember the name of it, but it's going to be down in uh, maybe the Avonbeg relay. It's down in Glenmalure. And that too looks like it'll be along those lines, but it, it still leaves the Wicklow Way relay as unique in terms of this, just the size of the event. You know, it covers 104 kilometers, which is nearly double what you have in the Glacier Lakes. And it's double the, over double the amount of people you generally have eight in a team and also it has much more accessible terrain for people who are still coming into trail running because you're obviously on the Wicklow Way which is way marked so there's no navigation although there can be navigational problems as we'll get to um, and there's also some road sections you know so it really is a good event for if, for road runners you know who are a little bit interested in trail running um, but they don't want to take the deep dive yet. Yeah, and if ever anybody is speaking from experience, Rene, I mean, this is the race where you can really talk about your many years involved in it. And as I've said at the start, you are race director for a number of years, and I'm sure you have many a story to tell about your years as race director. And I'm not too sure, Rene, if you've ever competed in it yourself. Yeah, six times. Uh, wow, which, okay, you know, so six times competing and probably another six times as race director. Um, where do you start? Well, you see, I, I generally compete even when I'm directing uh, or involved in it because you, you, <laughs> okay. ha you have time, you can jump into a leg and if you have able lieutenants, you know, you, you can be kind of good to go. Um, oh, very good. But very it's, good. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it was a personal thing because I kind of drifted in like all everyone. I didn't know anything about the event whatsoever. And I was told by my now wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, but she told me that uh, Crusaders, which was the club I was about to join, were doing, you know, they had entered a team in this relay. And it sounded like good crack, but I had planned to do this, you know, big long run on the mountains. So I didn't do it that year. Uh, and uh, I kept hearing about how, you know, awesome it was. And I decided then that I would go try to go for one of the Crusaders teams the next year. And it was quite competitive. So I only got put on the, on the B team on. 
um, which was something that was allowed back then. Today, it's no longer allowed for a club to have two teams because it's gotten so popular. popular that, yeah. Yeah, they didn't want this situation that the big clubs basically came in and said, you know, we would just basically put in three or four teams and we take up all the spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was that's how it started for me. Um, and, you know, I got you, you got the inside view. You you learned on the B team and I eventually made an A team as well. And I actually have a medal, believe it or not, and I managed to get myself on a team that was good enough to win a, a silver medal despite having me on the team. So, yeah, uh, I mean, for people listening in, I mean, it is such a competitive race, isn't there? I mean, at the top end, I mean, there's just teams all over the country that are carefully wrecking the course over the next couple of weeks, are strategically trying to get the very best runners, because, of course, we need to have a mixture of veteran runners, male and female runners. You can't just, you know, throw in your best eight runners, whoever they might be. There needs to be a fair mixture. Um, and at the top end, I mean, you have TT Racers and Terry McConnell from Terry McConnell's group who are based out of Rings End there, I think in Dublin at lunchtime, um, who have had a phenomenal set of results over the last, is it, I think four years in a row now they might have won it. And they're, 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 they're hunting for the record, I think, Rennie, which is 7.02, seven hours and two minutes by Rafarnham from 2011. And I think Terry's guys were 7.04 in 2019. So they were just two minutes off it. Um, so it, at both ends of the field, it's so enjoyable because you have the people who are just enjoying the experience and then you have the very top end as well who are going for records and going for the, the coveted win. Yeah, and actually Rahini got very close one year as well. They got down to 704. Um, so that, that there has been there's three times kind of in that ballpark. Um, but it, yeah, it segues us nicely into just how obsessive some teams can become with this event. And, and I think I, I kind of saw it with my own eyes because as I was starting out in those years, you know, kind of looking at it a little bit further back on that Crusaders B team, I noticed that the Radfarnham and Clonliffe teams they were becoming extremely focused on putting in the absolutely best teams they could scrounge from the runners they had. And and if you go back, you know, if you're a bit of a history buff and you look at the results of those years, you can see that the top three, especially in the top five, in some cases, the times are starting to really come down, you know, so it, it started very parochially, you know, as an event that was, I think it was conceived by Joe Lawler, who has conceived a lot of IMRA events. And it was as a fundraiser for the IMRA juniors in 2002. So it would have been the 20th anniversary today if the last two events hadn't been cancelled or this year. Yeah. Um, so this is the 18th running of the event. But basically it started on the Wicklow Way, um, which was not quite as well repaired and it wasn't quite the same format that it is today. So the route was slightly different um, in places. And they had, you know, there were some things they were still trying to figure out. You know, there was handicaps for teams that didn't, that had certain team compositions, for instance, the first year. But there was only 23 teams the first year. And it was actually won by a team of two, believe it or not. Um, But when you hear the names of one, it's not such a surprise because it was Ian Keith that most people listening here are familiar with. Yeah. Running every second leg with another a, a top class runner of the time called Hugh McLinden. Uh, and the two lads actually managed to win three of the eight legs and they finished second or third on quite a few of them, too. Wow. You know, oh, wow. So, they did. so that, that was quite a performance. And they only won by 40, uh, f- 58 seconds. Wow. Yeah. And it, I think it's probably a reflection as well of how the race has progressed, Renny, over the last 20 years. 
that just something like that couldn't be done now because of the caliber of athletes that are there on the individual legs and literally clubs all over the country bringing in not, not only their best hill and trail runners, but their best road runners as well. For example, I know in 2000 and I think it might have been 2019 or 2018, when Rat brought in Sean Hare, who of course who, who has won the Dublin Road Marathon. And they brought Sean Hare in to run the second leg, I think it might have been, after the Irish international Mark Ryan went off on the first leg. So that's the calibre and the quality that clubs are looking for <laughs> to, to try and get into those top three positions. Yeah, like if you look, if you go and look at some of the individual performances on some of the legs, they are they're quite astounding. And I just take one because we obviously don't want to bore people with hundreds of results. But Brian McMahon, who you know is one of the strongest climbers we've ever seen on the Irish Hills, you know, and he I believe is he a two twenty or two twenty two marathon as well on around then, yeah, yeah, it, like he ran the only ever sub one hour leg two and just so people are like leg two is nearly 15 k's long and it's by far the toughest of all the legs in terms of the climb per kilometer so, you know it was an astounding performance to, to break the hour for that and you know it's, he's the only person who's done it and there's also some fantastic performances by a guy called tim o'donoghue who's a 3000 meter track runner from cork uh, on the long leg, which is like seven, you know, at most for most years that this race was on, it was a half marathon, you know, and, and he ran a lot of them in the low 70s. <laughs> so that just yeah. tells you everything you need to know because they oh, absolutely. And, and it actually, it would be interesting now if any of the guys down in Munster are listening, if a club like East Cork AC bring Tim along with some of their other road guys as well and mix it in with their trail guys because someone like Tim is just, oh, he's a beast in the mountains. I ran against him only a couple of weeks ago, Rene, in the Masters Cross Country, which he won phenomenally well. So, I mean, if anybody gets to see him run, if, if he does come up and run it, he's, he's a pleasure to watch running. He's just so strong and such a fantastic runner to, to look at as, as he bounds over those hills. I, I, I had the, the privilege of um, watching him storm away up a hill at a trial race one year for me as well. He's a, he's a phenomenal athlete. So again, it's just like the caliber of athletes that are there. Yeah, well, this this kind of brings us like East Cork, probably they've been there for a few times, Owen, with him, um, but they always came undone on the logistics. And that's one of the real charms of this event is that you know, although you have, there's only 10 clubs that have actually won the event. Um, oh, sorry, that has won medals at the event, you know, and Radfan, your own club own, leads that table with 11 medals. And then we have TT races with five medals and a few clubs. Am, with- am I right, Renny, in saying that TT have four wins in a row are they going for five yeah that's right they have the last yeah. four yeah so that that would be i think the the previous most was actually as far as i know two or three in a row and okay. there was always someone breaking it up for at farnham you know you'd win a few and then someone like rahini would come in there sure, um, sure. But, but but overall red farnham really dominated for a long time and then in in the last three years it's been it's been trinity um but it you know it, it is difficult to get on that podium you know, even if you're big clubs. Um, so it's, it's, of course, some of the teams that come on board don't represent clubs. And that's another charming aspect is that you could, if you were an aspiring team captain out there, you know, and you have some good runners that are your friends or your training group, you could try and put together a smash team, you know, from, from anywhere and to try and take on these big clubs, uh, you know, so yeah. that's, but the, even when you have a team like that, so often we have seen 
a team that led or was on the podium totally come undone in the middle of the race or late in the race because someone took a wrong turn somewhere or someone didn't hear the alarm in the morning, you know? So by the time the runner arrived at the handover, there was no one there. Sure. Cause it is an early start. I think doesn't the first runner go off at seven. Yeah, that's it. Seven in the morning. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of the reasons why I don't go home for it. And, you know, I love flying home for races and I was only talking to our Farnham lads there just in the group chat over the last couple of weeks. And I'd love to go home and try and help contribute to the team. But I would just be fearful, Rennie, that I'd go home and I wouldn't know the course because obviously I don't have the chance to wreck it being over here in Gran Canaria. And that's one of the pitfalls, isn't it, for every team, as you said, that unless you get a chance to wreck it, there's that risk that you might take a wrong turn. Yeah, although even some people who wreck it have taken wrong turns over the years. You know, (laughs) I've seen it and I can understand why, because, you know, when you're in race mode and, you know, maybe the light is falling in a certain way on a certain junction, you know, and you're a bit tight, then even someone who you've you've been there before, you read, you know what to do, you can make a mistake, you know, in the heat of the moment. Uh, Heat has played a big role because it's in May, you know, so we have had people wandering around fields and they were found in there, you know, kind of heat struck, you know, or we found them, they've been found either, you know, half halfway into um, to Carlo, you know, running on, on a road. <laughs> Things like that, you know, has has hit people even with experience. But we do see that the teams that come, the clubs that come from outside the county, they tend to have a mishap. So yeah. even though the Wickler way is way marked, it's, it's not idiot proof, you know, and I'm not calling anyone idiots, but it is, um, the, the markers can just be a little bit iffy in one or two places. Sure. Um, and there are time penalties, Renny, that you can get for various things as well, I think, isn't there? Yeah, there are. Um, well, first of all, to be competitive, you need the right team composition. So that's the you need two ladies on the team and yeah. you need two people who are over 40 and it can't be the same. Right. So you need two veterans and two ladies, um, okay. you know, and, and if you don't have that, then you run as a non-competitive team. OK. And that's obviously because they didn't want they, they wanted to encourage uh, mass participation, you know, and inclusiveness so yeah. that we didn't just have people putting in, you know, the, the eight strongest men that they had in a club. That would have been been too easy. Um, let me think. The time penalties. What do we usually? We usually give them for the various infractions um, that you could have. Uh, that, some of them are a bit controversial, Owen. Um, <laughs> but but one of the challenges with Wicklow in general and having an event like this is that some of the handover spots are very close to residential areas where you can aggravate the locals or where the parking is quite limited. So that's the that's the reason why the event is also so well so sought after, and you know there's a lot of hula baloo about the opening day because usually the tickets are just they just disappear within a day or two. Uh, so it's kind of like 35 golden tickets for the teams. That's 270 yeah. people, you know, that you have on the roads. That's that's 35 team cars plus yeah, any sure. other cars that need to be there, you know, because the team car cannot get everyone to the start and finish of their leg. There are a few handover spots where there's lots of parking. You know, like in Glen Malore, we have pretty decent parking. In Glen Delock, we have a lot of parking. And then you have a, a few spots, you know, especially further down, where there really isn't a lot of space. And here we've seen sometimes, you know, bad parking, to say the least. And there's been time penalties given, you know, because these teams were not 
they weren't following the advice of marshals. Uh, another thing that could give you a time penalty is if you take a shortcut. Yeah. Uh, we have used different rules over the years and we haven't set the in stone this year. We'll probably have a little review and discussion. But sometimes, like for minor deviations, it's probably usually been a five-minute time penalty. Um, okay. But for any serious deviations, you could get disqualified. You know, okay. so we have also though had um, this. This was very. There was a very heated debate about this a few years ago. I was of the opinion that if a team runs a longer version of the course, they've already penalized themselves. <laughs> so they should not be given a further time penalty. But uh, there was another. The other opinion raised was that every team needs to run the exact Wickler way. So if they take a detour of it. The only way they can remain competitive is to re-enter it where they left it. Yeah, I can understand that point that everybody needs to complete the full course as opposed to a slightly different longer course. Yeah, I can understand that. And um, Benny, are there any tips that you could share with teams that are listening? Because I know we have the eight legs, and you know we, we could be here for a long time going through each of the eight legs. And I know the Inver website, as people probably know by now, is very good at going into the detail of the race routes. But maybe, is there anything that you would like to pick out on any particular leg that that's actually a really good tip for somebody that might be running a leg two or a, look, or a leg four? Anything that you've seen over the last couple of years that might stand to somebody? Yeah, I think we can give people a little highlight reel, you know, of, of the lakes, you know, just to yeah. say, don't go into the great details because the, there will be a, a new guide coming out actually, but also you already have links to plot a route on Imra, so you can go and have a look at the course profile yeah. and, you know, how much road is there and all these things. But basically, the, 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 when you're a team captain and you sit down and you have your eight runners and you look at the legs, uh, the first thing you need to say basically is which two legs are the easiest because that's where you put the two runners that on paper are the slowest or the least experienced. And in the last few years, the consensus kind of is that it's leg three because it's only 8K and it's net downhill, you know, so it's really nice and fast. And yeah. it's the final leg, which is leg eight, um, because it's, it's, it's like a 10K road run. Only the first half is on trail. Uh, now, some of the roads are bumpy enough. The only thing with leg eight that it's a really remember is you need someone with big shoulders because you're running your team home. You know, you're the anchor there. Yeah. And I have seen if you are in an important position that can be quite a lot of pressure on because you might have your team car driving right next to you with people shouting at you, you know. Yeah. To, and to, and would you recommend, Rennie, would you actually recommend putting the fast 10K road guy on that leg, therefore, not necessarily a trail or a mountain specialist, but a 10K road person. Yeah, some some teams prefer that strategy. So if they don't feel they have, um, you know, usually because if, you know, if, if the kind of the law of averages, it tends to be the two female runners that, in the team that go in leg three and leg eight. Um, but in some cases, we have seen that people have picked um, a fast 10K guy to put on leg eight just because they wanted to have more options at the finish. And in those cases, leg four is, is very, very close in terms of time to leg eight. It's a little bit slower on paper. There's more hills. It's a little bit longer. But mm. a lot of teams, they, they think tactically about it and they say, no, let's, let's hold something in reserve you know, to the end. And really, there's no right or wrong answer. Statistically, leg eight is slower. Oh, sorry, faster than leg four. I suppose it's maybe you might have somebody who might be able to do it in what, maybe at 32 minutes, given that it's not exactly flat. 
who, as opposed to maybe a, a mountain runner or one of the lady runners who might be able to do it in 35, 36. So there's maybe three or four minutes to gain there, but then you might lose that somewhere else. So yeah, it's that's where the, the strategy and the tactics come into play. Yeah, and also, you know, do you want to be, would you prefer to start strong, you know, and kind of be in the lead and then hope that the psychology of being in the lead gives you something extra? Because that's one of the benefits that um, that relay racing actually gives, both in my experience and if you look at kind of sports science, is it, it tends to elevate individual performances. And quite often it brings something out of you that you didn't even know you had because yeah. you're running with all this extra pressure. Uh, you know, and some people, of course, wouldn't like that and maybe it would deter them. But for most people, um, I, we have seen in my own club, Glendalock as well, and previously in Crusaders, people just find something. It's, you know, there's, there's something about being part of that team effort. So you could, you know, there's not, it's not that simple to put a team together because you have to think of so many different things. And you also might consider, as you said there, what type of runners do I have? You know, I might have a really fast track guy, but if I put him on one of the hilly legs, you know, he, he mightn't do very well because it's a bit too technical and maybe he's not used to the uphill. So he's better put on one of the faster legs, like leg eight, you know, so there's a, you really need to know the people you have. You, the same with leg seven, you know, because it's so long, you might have a runner that's really fast, but are they experienced and endurant enough to run well over 20 and a half K? Mm, you might have to pick a runner who is on paper he's not as fast as this guy but you know he can just deliver if he has to be out there for an hour and a half yeah and somebody who can handle something going wrong because i suppose the the longer the race the longer the time out there the the more likelihood is that a mistake might be made on such a long section of the course as well you need somebody who maybe who's used to handling mistakes up in the mountains or when things go wrong up in the mountains for that one there Exactly. And, you know, that probably may brings us, you know, to the final thing for a successful team is having a great team captain. Okay, that, yeah. that, that's probably the most important thing because they are the, they are going to pick the team, obviously, but they're also going to plan the timings, you know, so you need to get a good, you have to look at the previous results. You need to look at the level of your runners. You need to give them a good estimate of how fast are you going to run this? And then you're going to have to leave enough on your time plan so that you know in that first year when ian keith and hugh mclinden won at the first changeover hugh mclinden was so fast that owen was still putting his shoes on when he arrived yeah. so you, you need to leave a buffer so that you're there well early and ready to go and um, because you might be much faster than expected you also need to make sure you know how every single person gets to their handover, that they know where their handover is. You know, you need to make sure in the months leading up, you know, confirm with them that they have been out, they have run their leg and not just been, because this is a very typical mistake. You, you go along for the leg with another runner who knows the course and you just follow along. And that's not the way to wreck it. You know, you act, you have to lead so that you run into every junction and, you see, oh, actually, yeah, the Wickler way marker is, is, is kind of misleading here. Because well, that's a great tip there in itself, Renny, that they go and do the recce on your own. It's the only way, isn't it? That we learn with most things in life, you have to take the reins yourself and do it yourself. And that's the best way to learn. And maybe just another good tip for the team captains, Renny, is that to go onto the Inver website and to read some of the very detailed race reports that are there on the website as well. And I mentioned Andrew Hanney's one earlier on, which he described the race as the best team event he's ever taken part in. 
his race report from, I think, 2019 goes into tremendous detail and lots of good tips, certainly from a captain's point of view. Yeah, that is the definitely a, a great way to kind of absorb all this. What we call, what you know, when I used to work in IT and knowledge management, we called it tacit knowledge, you know, knowledge that you can't find in the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, all these little experiences. But it, 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 as well, you'll get a feel for the buzz because that's a thing that's, however you finish with your team, whether you're down in 30th or top 10 or top three, there is just, if you, if you have time to stay for the day, First of all, of course, there's the celebrations in Shilela at the finish line. Um, but there is just such a different buzz when, if you have run early in the day, to follow along and encourage your team, maybe, you know, hand out water to the runners that you can support later on, you know, and the excitement of seeing how is the team developing, you know, are we getting spots, are we losing spots? Um, or if you run later, you have kind of this nervous anxiety the whole day. You know, because you're waiting for your turn, yeah. you know, to pick up the reins and to shine. Um, and, and that can be, you know, that's the, the downside, actually, of running later in the day, is that if, you do, if you're a type of person who doesn't handle maybe nervous anxiety very well, I would recommend maybe putting you on an early leg. Uh, well, and, I'm getting I'm getting just you know excited even just thinking about it. And I'm not going to even be doing it this year, because especially after... The two years that we've all had since 2020, um, when you know there was when we were all bereft of team competitions and and social occasions, isn't this such a great way to restart all of that again proper this time around? And it sounds like it's going to be a great day. And it sounds like Rennie that the the, the Wicklow Way relay, not only is it unique in Ireland. But it sounds to be unique, certainly across Europe. I mean, I don't know of any other race anywhere in any of the big trail running countries um, Spain, Italy, France that has anything like this and um, certainly in Spain you know a trail running powerhouse uh, I've never come across any relay races like this I know there is a very famous one in Italy that we normally send an Irish team to but that's a lot sh um, shorter and sharper and there's not as much potential for disaster it's very controlled where this one is very unique and very wonderful yeah, it's great that it's such a... There was an attempt by Panel for a few years to run something similar called The Relay, and it was a lovely route, but it just didn't really take off. You know, so it shows that even if you have this format, sometimes there's some kind of magical dust, I think, that that needs to... Maybe it's the timing or the culture that surrounds a race that just makes it um, take off and capture people's imagination. Uh, and then it just becomes this cornerstone because the only other event that has, I think, this sort of tradition on these islands is the British fell relays. But that's totally different, you know, because it, it has much more open mountain and some of the legs are run in pairs. And one of the legs is run as a navigational leg, you know, so it would be a lot more for kind of hardcore mountain runners, a little bit more similar to those relays that we that are coming up first. Mm. You know, mm. so, yeah, it's a bit curious of maybe fun. Some of the listeners know of a similar relay out there you know it'd be quite interesting to hear from them yeah and it'd be interesting as well Rennie, to see if any of the younger teams begin to make a dent in the top end of the race as well i know for example ucd orienteering where by far the youngest team there was in 2019 
And, you know, they have some very good guys in their books. Rory Long, who we know who we know very well, who has been winning lots of races on the Inmark Canada this year with his um, teammate in Siegfert, Matt. And I wonder if they might be putting together a young crack team of athletes, but they'll still need their two over 40s, of course, as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, will... Will somebody break into that top two outside of TT Racers and our Farnham? Um, just the last thing from, from my point of view, running with the race is that it, it's also shown to innovate with the times as well. And the, the great innovation in 2019 was the GPS trackers yeah. that people could use to follow the race all throughout the day. Yeah, I think that is nice because obviously, you know, they follow it. There's no substitute for following it on the ground um, and, and seeing the excitement from changeover to changeover but a lot of people do have to go home we see that every year you know maybe they, they have they have other commitments and it's they really love that i think that they could follow it online and then all the people who for one reason or other just couldn't be out there you know they didn't get a team or maybe they're injured uh so th that's definitely you know it's something we're keeping this year the only downside is you have to hand over the tracker so that serves as the button Okay. Um, the only innovation we have this year on, uh, or that we're planning this year, is that we are slightly adjusting um, the handover spots for like three, four, and five. So we'll be putting up a, an update on that. We're only talking a few hundred meters, but we've just kind of reviewed a few things, you know, around traffic safety and just you know getting a better location. So it's not something that's going to alter the event kind of in a major way, but that's something to be aware of you know if you're a runner and you're planning to run three four five then just you know keep an eye out for that update because it will the start and finish of those legs will just be slightly changed yeah and just as i think about it Randy, as well like i'm not too sure if the race has had a race sponsor over the years but if anybody is listening that's part of a company or part of a big company and um, by the sounds of it You've got, you know, how many runners in total, Rene, you know, a massive amount of runners on the day. And if anybody did maybe want to sponsor the race and get a bit of exposure and be part of, you know, one of the highlights of the, the trail running calendar, the mountain running calendar in Ireland, um, no better event to do so. Yeah, they should probably talk to Imra because Imra used this as a fundraiser. I don't actually know if they still use it to fundraise for the juniors. Uh, or if they just put it into the general kind of elite kitty or something like that. But, um, and I, I don't even know Imra's policy in terms of individual sponsors own um, because Imra obviously have uh, an overall sponsor. Yeah. Uh, so there might be some kind of restriction there. Um, but yeah, definitely. If there is someone listening and uh, you like the sound of this, you know, send a little email there to the Imra committee and, and who knows. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, um, Deputy Race Director this year, Rene Borg, thanks a million for that. And good luck indeed to yourself and Jason, who's um, who's leading the charge this year as Race Director, Jason Kyo. Good luck to the two years. And I think there's someone else in your team, Rene, as well. It's a three-person three team, is it? Yeah, so there's a former Irish Army Ranger, uh, Bill Halliden. He took, he, he started, you know, doing a lot of the, the martial coordination in the last few years for Jason. Um, and that's been super helpful because, you know, the, the race director follows the race at the front uh, and it can sometimes be very difficult then to keep control of what's happening in the middle and the back of the race because there's, there can be nearly five to five and a half hours between the first and the last team. Uh, 
Yeah. You know, yeah. so Jason managed to bring in a very experienced individual in Bill, which I think has, has taken off a, a lot of load, you know, and it, it puts a little bit less pressure on the marshals that are standing at the handovers, you know, and they're just trying to focus on making sure the handovers are smooth. And you do get the odd incident. You know, you, you get a few people who get lost enough that there is concern for them. Yeah. And that can be very stressful um, if, they're, if the race director is far away from that point when it happens. Okay. You know, so that's uh, that, that it is yeah three man core organization, but we do have quite a significant. Every team actually has to provide a marshal, and so there's there's quite a big crew by the end of the day. Uh, well, listen, hopefully everybody will have a uh, safe and fun day in a couple of weeks' time. And as I many know, in this part of the show, I say, you know, you can get in touch with Rene Borg on runningcoach.ie for all your coaching queries. But this time, if anybody has any queries on the Wicklow Way Relay, no better man than Rene Borg on runningcoach.ie. Rene, thanks for being for that. That was a really super enjoyable chat today. All right, Owen. Thanks, Will. All the best. Bye-bye. Time for our next feature, guys. And while this may be for the juniors out there, do keep tuning in, as maybe you might have a son or a daughter, a niece or a nephew that might find that they have a great talent for mountain running, or at the very least, it might help keep them away from the screens for a few hours. To find out more, let's call in Miriam Maher, Junior Affairs Officer from the Irish Mountain Running Association. Miriam, it's always great to have a member of the Imra family with us on the podcast. And Miriam, you're very welcome. And maybe just to, to kick things off, what was it that attracted you to the role of junior affairs officer in Imra? Thanks, Owen, and thanks for having me on, on the, the, the show. It's, it's great to get the opportunity to chat about my favourite subject when it comes to mountain running, which is the junior side. Um, I first got involved, I suppose, purely because I'd, I'd noticed the juniors when I was doing, started in the races myself. And, and I started with them racing in 2013. And uh, the juniors at the time, the, the ones you nearly always spot at the races were the likes of Zoe and Isaac. Um, and uh, it was just really intriguing to see them, you know, because we'd be there like huffing and puffing up the side of ale and they would just lope along with no effort, it seemed, beside us. But they, they'd, off, they'd just stand out. And also I kind of noticed how welcoming everybody was to them. We were all just so really enthusiastic to see them out racing and to see people coming up kind of you know juniors coming up into the racing community so then my own son Luke when he turned about 13 um I brought him he was doing a bit of athletics at that stage and I brought him up to the hills to try out some of the Wednesday evening races the junior race routes of those and he really took to it he loved it and I'd say for the next maybe five years then he would have done a mix of the lot of the IMRA races, but also then started as he got a bit older into doing the uh, junior international races. So he took part in five of them by the time he, you know, came out of the junior age group. And uh, like, it's a super experience for them all. And But what really tweaked my kind of caught me is that junior, I, I suppose IMRA is such a welcoming community when it comes to the juniors. And it's such a positive experience, I think, for them then as a result, it, you know, it, it kind of got my interest and then because I was parent of a junior um, I got to go along some of the international trips as a team manager and uh, it just kept my interest going when I saw what opportunities there were for them both in the local Emma races and also um, on the international front and so off the back of that then I joined the committee in 2020 then was the juniors uh, officer. 
Very good. And I'm sure that's the case, Marie, across so many different sports all around Ireland that, mm. you know, parents of teenagers, you know, who the teenager, the son or daughter has an interest in the sport. And then the parent gets involved on the administration yeah. side or the coaching side of things. Um, yeah. And, you know, for anybody listening to the show who maybe has a what a 14 15 16 year old who might have an interest or who mightn't have an interest mm-hmm. they might know yet that they're going to love this to bring them out to the next race and maybe that's maybe what the next question for us Miriam is can you give us an overview over the winter season over the summer season you mentioned the international teams as well what training and racing is there for juniors and maybe just before we go to that could you define for us what a junior athlete is in Imra? Yeah, when it comes to the junior side of things, there's, you know, there's a lot of, I suppose, we've defined a few different categories. We revised our categories in 2020. Um, So essentially, once you've hit the age of six, you can start to um, race. Uh, Well, you can start to take part in a race. But between, so we have, I'm just looking here, I took notes of these beforehand. So we have effectively four age categories. So under the age of 10, between, you know, the ages of six and nine, accompanied by a parent or a guardian, you can run up to 5K. And under the age of 14 then, which would be the ages 10 to 13, you can run up to 5K on your own. Under the age of 16, then you can, which is between 14 and 15, you can go up to 7K. And then under 18, once you've hit 16, the 17 age range, you can go up to 10K. So these are, we kind of developed all these to enable the juniors to develop themselves because most of the junior routes would be 5K or less. So that Mm. covers off all of them, you know, effectively. But as they move on as teenagers, you know, some of the main races would be around the range of 7K. And then a lot of them would be under 10K. So it gives them a development chance because the junior races are a superb experience for them all. And then the main races, when they're really comfortable with it, are also great experiences for them because it's quite a different racing experience going along with the main field over you know, a smaller junior field. So that's how it's structured in terms of the age categories. It's quite, you know, thought through in terms of we, we looked at um, benchmarks like the Fell Running um, Association guidelines when we revised these in 2020, because track and cross country have different kind of benchmarks and different, I suppose, criteria to take into account when it comes to distances for juniors. Whereas the Fell Running Association was just a more comparable um, benchmark for us. So that's the direction we went with that. Okay, yeah, I didn't realize that it was so um, open to, you know, kids that were so young, you know, like yeah, you can get yeah. your pens in there as well. And then how does it work, say, with the, say, the winter leagues and the summer leagues? You know, we have our summer league races, for example, you know, which are so successful. Successful, They're so much fun as well, Miriam. Are there actually junior races on as part of those winter and summer leagues or do they tend to be separate days or, or how does the calendar work for the junior racing? There nearly is, I mean, I would say, the only races that won't have a junior course would be like a non-marked, you know, an open mountain course, a non-marked course, or one of the navigational challenges, for example. But virtually every other course or route or race that Immer puts on will have a short course or a junior course attached to it. And that's kind of a given. You know, some of them don't. And to be honest, the only reason often that they won't have a short course is purely because they can't get enough volunteers on the day to cover what's needed for the two courses. But as a given, pretty much all the courses will have a short course available. So it it just means that really, and it it makes it easier because there's the practicalities about juniors. Juniors can't get to the mountains usually on their own. They need to be brought realistically. And that's why I think... You know, my son got so much experience because I was going all the time anyway. And so I was bringing him. So it, it is quite 
typical for, you know, the juniors that are involved will have a, you know, a parent or a guardian will be doing the main race. So then they can come along off the back of that. So there is a practicality in fairness around, uh, you know, getting, yeah. you know, giving the juniors the opportunity to race, but virtually all races will have a short course. Yeah, well, listen, hopefully our conversation today, it's perfect timing. It's the start of April, mm-hmm. We're coming into the end of the spring, start of the summer season. And hopefully, you know, the, the mammies and the daddies listening, you yeah. know, will we'll be able to bring their, their kids out to all the summer racing over the next couple of months. And um, what type of profile of runner Marion makes a good mountain runner I mean would you say that if you're a son or daughter shows any competence in cross country to bring them out to the mountains or you know do, do you think speedy track runners can do very well in the mountains as well or is it literally just anybody and everybody everybody's welcome into the mountains but what what way do you, do you approach it in terms of you know talent recruitment or trying to identify people who might enjoy and and do really well in the mountains well, th- there's no doubt that cross-country runners would probably be the closest in terms of, you know, that's they're, they're an obvious area to look at in terms of if people like being on cross-country, there's an you know, increased likelihood that they might be keen to try at the mountains. There's a wider gap, I suppose, between what attracts people about track running over the hills. I kind of feel really the, the starting point is you just have to be interested in trying it. You know, if you if you have a curiosity about what's it like to go out the hills, you know, they're, they're a perfect age, I think, a lot of the juniors, because they have, they're far more willing to give things a go than maybe, your, you know, the adult kind of running population might be yeah. at times when it comes to sales. Um, and they just have, you know, they've kind of, they can get into the kind of spirit of it maybe a little bit easier. They're not as, you know, uh, this might be good news for a parent here, but go for it. But also they have to be interested. Even it, like there's, there's many very, very fine, high performing, you know, junior athletes who won't be interested in trying the hills. It's as simple as that. Even if they could run well in the hills, they're just not interested. Whereas I think the starting point is that they're interested. And if they're interested, and if you match that with ability, you've got a fairly perfect combination in terms of what would appeal to somebody about staying running on the hills and getting into it. So, yes, cross country tends to be, you know, a kind of an obvious area. And certainly, you know, you know, Leo Mann, our longstanding high performance officer, you know, he will be at all of the national and international you know, cross countries every year and keeps a close eye on how people get, get on. Um, yeah. But I think they can come from any avenue, really. I think the main thing is that they have an interest in it. And it's a very inclusive running community, really inclusive. I mean, and I don't say this by being self-deprecating, but like I'm very welcome there and I'm the back of the field. Yeah, and yeah. there's uh, that's, you know, IMRA is an incredibly inclusive running community for all abilities. And I think that extends to juniors too. Yeah, yeah. very good. Um, you, you mentioned Leo there, Miriam. And mm. I mean, is there any strategy in place where yourself or Leo are going, you know, knocking on the doors of clubs or even going as far to identifying maybe talented runners that you see in the cross country and maybe giving the the coach a call or giving the parents a call or saying listen I I saw Sean there at the weekend and he did super Mm -hmm. and we have an international competition coming up this summer and I think he could really do well and maybe even make an Irish team is there any type of strategy in place like that actually to go and actively recruit like say for example you know you often hear the stories of Rahini Shamrock over the years who are very good at going down to the local schools and and encouraging you know all the local Rahini runners out is there anything like that in place with, with Imra? 
Not, no, not to, to that level of structure. I mean, what we tend to do is we are aware of the fact that, you know, a lot of the Emirate community themselves are all parts of clubs. So we certainly put the message out with, you know, with our, within our community, you know, to let people know that, that they would encourage within the club level um, anyone to come out, particularly to junior level, to come out onto the hills. And certainly we've seen that, you know, I, I look at the likes of Phil Bean and, you know, Rainey, who has always encouraged his juniors to come out. Um, anyone who's a coach, um, within any of the clubs tends to, you know, has an involvement in Emra and an involvement club will tend to encourage that. Mainstream clubs in Ireland are much more comfortable with track or cross country. Yeah. They're not as a norm that comfortable with mountain running and encouraging juniors to go up onto the hills. You know, and I think it's probably a combination of the fact that they're not that familiar with it themselves and also because there's logistical, you know, challenges with it. Yeah. So it's not an area, you know, if you look at the UK where, and particularly say England and Scotland, where they have fell running clubs and where they have, you know, huge pools of, you know, juniors who train on the hills and, you know, who are actively involved. Yeah. We don't really have that focus here and it's hard to we certainly encourage it we you know we, we follow up on any opportunity we see there but it's not an easy sell <laughs> to get people to 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 take it on and I think in the past it was you know clubs were kind of you know there were schools um, kind of inner races and aspects like that it's 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 difficult to create that kind of draw when there's an awful lot of I, we find with the juniors there's an awful lot of I suppose um uh competition quite literally far farther for races and events that they could be involved in so it's a bit of a challenge yeah. so we tend to say well do the cross country in the winter consider us in the summer you know yeah. and, and see how that pl plays out but yeah it's, well, it's it's a challenge well I'm uh, yeah I mean the, the cross country is so popular the track of course is so popular as well mm. but what I would say Miriam is that any parent or coach that's listening mm. And if they do want maybe something different and an extra edge or even to develop yeah. the strength of a young athlete. And I know, granted, I was, you know, an adult runner when I did move to the hills and um, coming from a track career, if you like. But when I went to the hills in 2010, the injury stopped for, yeah. for about yeah. five or six years. <laughs> um, I just stopped getting injuries yeah. because... You know, I was just getting so strong working on the hills. And so was, first of all, it was Jerry Kiernan's group at the back of, um, of Marty Park there. He first introduced me to hill sessions, you know, just two minutes up, mm. one minute down. And then it was, you know, friends like Barry Minnick and Mark Ryan that brought me into the actual hill races themselves. And, you know, it started a whole love affair with the mountains. And, and, and I still ran very, very well on the road, you know, mm off the back of a couple of months on the mountains, whether it was in the springtime or the summertime. So it, it, there is a potential great training benefit for, for any young runner out there. Oh, I think there's a huge one. And I think what you say about injuries is really interesting because I think there tends to be a perception, a disproportionate concern that, yeah. you know, running on the hills will injure or, you know, that, that they could, you know, that, that if an athlete goes up onto the hills that they're going to get injured, their ankles are going to get done and, and you know, that's going to be problematic for them. And yet... I'm conscious that for a lot of track runners, there's plenty of other injuries that they pick up off the track and muscular injuries and areas like that that could knock them out of action for quite some time. So there, you know, there tends to be, I suppose, I think a little bit of of, of an over concern about the probability of an injury on the hill. Um, and also, I suppose, um, I, I suppose it's a mindset as well. If you've got a track runner that's used to measuring their performance in terms of pace and times and areas like that, there needs to be a kind of comfort level with this is entirely different. You don't measure 
you know, you can't get the pace, you know, measurable in the same way. And, uh, you know, you have to be comfortable working with, you know, you could be on a, a, a route that's dry underfoot one day and it's an entirely different race and experience, as we know, are wet underfoot the next day, you know, and it's all these kind of aspects like that is that the, you're, you're more than just running on the hills. You're, you're dealing with conditions that you find as well. And I think it's like, I can't see anything but good for a junior about getting up and out there. And actually an aspect around it, which is probably a little bit, I'm not, I would have found to say with my son that he wasn't really mad on being in the track experience where you're very much on show, you yeah. know, and you're very much under spectator gaze all the way around <laughs> and yet far you know when you you know and I know you know you leave at the start you go off you do your race you're visible to those around you there's very few spectators generally in a lot of our routes certainly in Ireland and you finish and it allows you just to go and race and run without having that sense of being watched or measured um yeah. and and that can be for some they like they they, they you know the, the spectator element is really important to them but for others it's actually a benefit and I know my son would have given me the feedback that it was a benefit for him that he could just go off and race you mm. know and mm. concentrate on that part so some teenagers some juniors might be more comfortable about the notion that they can just have the racing experience and the running experience without having the sometimes pressure of being under focus all the way around the route <laughs> which happens yeah, on track and it happens uh, across and, country and you mentioned, well. yeah and you mentioned Luca of course had I think five mm. caps for Ireland over mm. the years as well and you know we touched on the international teams beforehand mm. and what I would say with that Maria is that any any junior athletes that are listening that that's listening that might be on the fringes say of an Irish cross-country team but just mightn't be making that final step up to the cross-country team. Mm -hmm. The mountains is a, is a fantastic alternative option to get your international caps. And not even people that are just on the fringes of, say, the cross-country teams, but again, people that are listening who mightn't realise that they have a talent for strong climbing or good descending, yep. you never know where you might end up. And, you know, just as there's so many kids, you know, for our generation, it was it was dreaming of being like Eamon Coughlin and Sonia Sullivan. Mm -hmm. For this generation, it's, it's dreaming of being like Kieran McGean or, or Nick Riggs. There's a chance here to represent Ireland on, on the international competitions. And maybe just if you could tell us maybe about what the international opportunities are, because there's some incredible opportunities to go to the most beautiful best mountains in Europe, in the world to run races, isn't there? Oh, there is. I mean, I'm looking even at this year and it's thankfully after the last couple of years, you know, we're back with the full range of what would be, you know, what we can expect most years out of internationals and for, particularly for juniors. So if you look at it, you know, back to your home place now. Or, um, yeah, La, that's La, right. La, just La across from here in La Parma. Just across. Yeah. 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 So yeah. we'll have that coming up in um, uh, late June or no, July, sorry, we'll have that coming up in July. And we'll also have the trials for that on the 30th of April. And so that's one. Now that's the higher performing end of the older juniors. Do you know, it'll tend to attract the under 20, it'll be an under 20s juniors team that we'll be trialing for. So it okay. is the older range, but still, you know, and, and yeah. you know what the standard is like at the Euros. So it's, it's, but it's there and it's achievable for, particularly as you say, for people who are high performing across country, it's definitely one within their range to look at and to, to go yeah. for. Um, and then the other two internationals then that come up each year is the uh, World Mountain Running Association Youth Cup, the Under 18 Youth, Youth Cup, which will be on, I think it's the 24th, 25th of June in Italy this year. And we'll try yeah. for that on the, on the 15th of May here. Um, and that's a great opportunity for because you, you know pretty much they're always held in Italy typically, um, and they're held in Italy this year. 
um, as well. And it's just a superb opportunity. You know, as you say, they get brought by IMRA to go and race in, you know, in, in stunning locations. And there's a great buzz around these weekends as well. Yeah. Um, so that's coming up um, in, as I say, in June with the trials in May. And then we have our annual British and Irish Junior Mantra Running Championships, which are rotated amongst the five nations essentially each year. And it'll be held in the Lake District this year in September, and we'll trial for that in July. Now, that's an excellent opportunity for any junior who's interested, who's, you know, decent runner and who's interested in getting the opportunity potentially to represent at either under 17 level or under 20 level, because um, they're just, they're superb opportunities. And, and you get to go on these trips and you're meeting all the, you know, the juniors from other nations, and there's generally a kind of a social buzz and atmosphere around them. But it's superb opportunity. And, you know, like it's not something you've represented. I'm never going to represent. But, you know, the fact that I know it's very, you know, a good, strong junior runner has the opportunity to represent Ireland. And that is, you know, that's that's pretty amazing in of itself, I think. And where they get to race is just amazing, too. So, yeah, yeah. And as you know, whether it's potentially running for an Irish junior team or or if not even that, Miriam, as you said, Mm. any level and potentially a lifetime of joy running on the trail of Ireland, you know, for the next 10 to 20 years. And doesn't it beat, you know, playing with the pace PlayStation or looking at your phone on a Saturday morning? So, again, any mammies or daddies that are listening do bring the kids out. And and again, just emphasize, Miriam, that this is a very it's a very structured role the junior affairs officer it's a it's an official role as part of the Imre constitution i was looking at the website the other day there's a proper strategic plan in there in place where all the safety guidelines are all covered yes, off yes well. all well so put in place yeah there's good structure yeah. there and just maybe a, a final point Marianne, if anybody would like to find out more information if any parents that are listening or hopefully there's a couple of you know 17 or 18 year olds that are listening to the podcast this week and um, where can they go to find out more information so they can go onto the website to check out all the events so those you know um uh, trials i was talking about we'll have all the details we're just putting the finer touches on that we'll have the details on those up shortly the euro trials are already up and then the um youth cup and the british and Irish will be up shortly but they're just the internationals when i say just the internationals because that's a particular direction but the day-to-day if somebody wants to just come up try a race try out as a junior just try what it's like to do trail races um, and trail or mountain running all of the events you just click into the like look at whether it's Munster you're looking at whether it's Leinster or South East Leinster and you look and see what's available look at the details of each event and there will always be the deep races put up and we put up a little link to those age categories I mentioned so that people can work out well where can my child fit here or you know and the race directors always know all these details as well when you come up but it is it's very structured and I suppose from the viewpoint you're, you're, you know we have a, a wide range now of IMRA members who are guard vetters who have gone through the safeguarding protocols as well in training so it's, there's a fair amount of thought has gone into ensuring that we're providing not only, we would hope, a really good racing or running experience for juniors, but a well-controlled one as well. We have thought through all of the aspects on it because we're very mindful around the safety protocols and ensuring that it's a safe as well as a um, safely run as well as, as a great racing experience for the juniors. Yeah. Oh, there's plenty. It's, it's a really, really... For me, it's it's one that is well worth trying, well yeah. worth trying and seeing how it sits with them or not. Brilliant. Well, listen, Miriam, um, congratulations on all the great work done today. Well done and everything, because, again, this is all a volunteer role as well. And, Miriam, listen, best of luck over the summertime. And with a bit of luck, um, I'll be seeing you at the European Championships, where hopefully you'll be um, looking after the junior Irish international team in the European Championships in La Palma. 
Yeah, that's my plan, Owen. So I'm hoping to see you there then in July. You know? So yeah, so listen, and thanks very much for the opportunity to, to talk about this. So yeah, anyone wants to go to the website or they could just email me at mariam.mar at imra.ie and I'll always come back to them. So listen, okay, thanks all. Take care. And that's a wrap for this week's show, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it. Miriam just asked me to pass on details as well of what looks like a wonderful mountain running workshop for junior athletes that Imra are putting on on April 23rd, led by Sarah McCormack, the World Cup trophy winner from a couple of years ago. Sarah, of course, multiple Irish caps to her name in many world championships and European championships. Sarah has won so many races and literally one of the best mountain running athletes over the last decade if not more and of course she's one of our own as well so that's on april 23rd in brocker resource center lara county wicklow from 10 a.m to 3 p.m and if you would like any more details do check out the imra website lots of good stuff will be happening that day for junior athletes and those athletes that have moved into the senior age group that are 20 years and above well guys there we have it we hope you enjoyed it captains to the ready athletes to the ready for the wicklow way relay that was a really enjoyable preview with Rene borg earlier on and just a final word guys as you know my main objective with the podcast is to grow the sport of trail and mountain running in Ireland in a fun and free way for our listeners to encourage people to fulfill their dreams on the mountains and to get fitter and healthier along the way and if you or anybody else would like to help out the podcast we have a three euro or six euro option over on patreon the price of a gel that's all it takes to keep us going every month and you can find out more on patreon.com everybody have a super weekend at easter time enjoy all those miles and remember The more miles you run, the more Easter eggs that you can eat as well. Have a great one, everybody. Everybody, let's get our running gear on. Let's go.